Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Bird's Eye View, when it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is August 21st, 2017, and this is episode 214. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. On today's show, we'll try to take on a sunny disposition on the week that was in Orioles baseball. Ugh. And we may also descend into endless darkness as we cover all things this past week of Orioles baseball. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? This week, I have been working my way through a bottle of um, Arrington Vineyards Russell, which is a red wine by the Arrington Vineyards, uh, as close to Malbec as they make. If you watched my untapped, uh, basically just fall apart into local craft beers, you may have thought that my trip to Nashville was nothing but craft beers, but there are some uh, good local wineries around as well. So uh, Arrington Vineyards, Russell, highly recommended, really smooth. It, it It's tray yummy. And you, Scotty Tuhati, what are you drinking this week? Jake, I am drinking the Glenlivet 15-year-old French Oak Reserve Whiskey. Oh, it's been that good a week, huh? It's been that good of a week. How is it? Uh, it's very good. Glenlivet makes it an excellent whiskey. Um Highly recommended. So, all right. Well, n- neither of these will show up, but if you'd like to see what we're drinking on a week out and weekend basis, you can follow us on Untapped. Please get social with us uh, over the beer. Scott can be found at MAGN8606. I'm at Jake E4025. And with that, we should probably stroll along, take a walk in our favorite place, the medical wing. All right, I'm looking at the notes, and there's not much. We're down to J.J. Hardy here. <laughs> and Hardy is set to begin his rehab assignment today in Norfolk, and um, there was a lot of interesting quotes that came out of it. One was, oh, I'm still aching a little bit, and you know, if it takes me a little bit more time to get back up, <laughs> I- I'm willing to make that sacrifice for the team. I'm willing to walk over as many potholes as I need to. That's what it I hear. It literally sounds like J.J. Hardy has been told, go gracefully into the night, and we will never talk about this again. Or or at least go gracefully into September 2nd. I mean, that's that's really what this has to be, right? There is there any way that he doesn't show up before uh, September 1st, which would you know require a roster move? No, absolutely not. Well, okay, that's the easy question. Here's the harder question. Is there any way that Buck Showalter can possibly live up to his promise to restore J.J. Hardy to the starting shortstop position? No, absolutely not. All right. Here's the hardest question, Scott. Okay. How do we, as Orioles fans, how do you and I, Scott Magnus and Jake English, celebrate J.J. Hardy, who is, by the way, a personal favorite and a fan favorite? How do we celebrate J.J. Hardy's return to baseball to give him a, a fond farewell without giving games away. Hmm. Uh, I believe uh, the best way to uh, celebrate J.J. Hardy uh, is with a pause. And then we move on. We just need to take a pause here. <laughs> um, this is definitely his swan song. It has to be. And we, if I'm not mistaken, have identified J.J. Hardy's swan song. Have we? I think if you remember back to the last episode... His swan song might sound a, a little bit like this. 
Okay. This is a callback, I guess, at best for our previous episode. <laughs> at best. At best. Normally, you would let more than one episode go by before you play this. And I know you like this song, Jake, but... Scott, these are dangerous times. We live in dark and dangerous Oriole times. All right. Well, with that... Um, J.J. Hardy, there's only one way that J.J. Hardy can come back into the game now going forward. That's his pinch runner. We need to see J.J. <laughs> Hardy out there on the base pass as the pinch runner. J.J. Hardy and Bobby Dickerson are an unstoppable duo. Although I did have one additional thought. Um, there was a situation at this past game on Sunday where um, it was steel second base and the kid face planted. So I think maybe for insurance litigation purposes, maybe we just have J.J. Hardy try to steal second base going forward for all Sunday home games going for the rest of the season. down the stretch and he down comes. The stretch comes. I actually think that, that Ryan Wagner should be required to say, and down the stretch he comes as J.J. Hardy rounds third. Yes. All right. Um, it will take equally as long for him to get to home plate as it were to be the kids to the warning track. Hey, 30 seconds actually sounds great. I don't think we can get in any more trouble with J.J. Hardy. Let's Scoot over to the internet and see what's up with the Orioles this week on the Twitters in 140 characters or fewer. All right, this first tweet goes into the category of, well, this has to be the case, right? Right? It comes from Matt Kremnitzer, at Matt Kremnitzer. Uh, and Matt's tweet was as follows, next season with another team. And this was response to Rich Dubroth asking Buck Showalter whether or not Chris Tillman would get another start. Yikes. Yikes, indeed. That's um, a tough one. That's a tough one. I, I do think Chris Tillman is going to get another start. Do you want Chris Tillman to get another start, or do you think he'll get another start? You know what? I, I'm at this point thinking that it actually, I think Chris Tillman should get another start, mainly because I think it's time maybe to uh, shut down Dylan Bundy. Oh, jeez. I don't like the words that are coming out of your mouth. Even though they were probably right. I don't like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, this next tweet, nice to hear and see. A few familiar faces. This is a tweet from Tiny Tim Jones, of course, at Tiny Tim Jones. Some hashtag Orioles royalty tonight on the at Orioles radio network. Brady Anderson and Cal Ripken with at Wave It Bye Bye and at Real Ben McDonald with a picture of all of the uh, a picture of all of the ats there mentioned. Uh, the 25th anniversary celebration was interesting. I thought it was a lot of fun. To see, you know, all the old guys on the broadcasts, in the in the booth, that kind of thing. I, I thought that it, it led uh, a lot of, of interesting tidbits to, uh, you know, an otherwise, you know, standard uh, bunch of losing Orioles baseball. The one thing that was nice, though, was that there was a delay while Cal Ripken was in the Masson booth, which just extended the interview, which, you know, was, was, uh, was kind to my childhood. Yes. I really enjoyed looking at all the pictures this week because um, it was reassuring to notice that even professional athletes, once they, once they hit their mid-40s, lose all semblance of physicality to themselves. Except for Brady Anderson. It, it, well, Brady Anderson is, uh, is a different Benjamin creature. Benjamin Button. Yes. He is a different creature. There's whatever he's injecting to himself. Oh, wait. No. No. That's bad. I, don't want I love this one tweet there from Tim Jones. It has pretty much everything that uh, symbolizes Orioles baseball for me from my, my childhood. So um, well done, Tim, on that one. Uh, the next next week goes into, and that is precisely what we were afraid of. And this comes from MLB Network, at MLB Network. This weekend is all about showing the fans what type of people we are. And from at Orioles Third Baseman, Manny Machado, I'm Players Weekend. And uh, when your name is Mr. Miami, that's not exactly um, the type of person I want you to be. The thing is, is that I'm kind of afraid of them showing us exactly who they're going to be this weekend. Um, their play has been showing us exactly who these people are and uh, not pretty, not pretty. They are who we're afraid they are. All right. Our next tweet goes to take it back. You take it back. This is a tweet from Beyond the Box Score who tweets at BTB score. The hashtag Mariners Nelson Cruz, sad face, is attempting to honor one of baseball's hidden gems with his unique aging curb, uh, curve. And then there's a, a link to, I'm sure, a very fine article. But let's just read the clickbaity subtitle of the article, which is which is visible in the tweet. A pair of truly unique aging curves, yes. Nelson Cruz is taking the Raul Abanez approach to life. No, no. You don't take a picture uh, a player I like 
and compare him to Voldemort. You don't do it. I say take it back beyond the box score. It would explain a lot, actually. It would explain a lot. Maybe he sucked a little bit of like soul energy out of Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope while he was here. No, 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 no. I think you're looking at it the wrong way. Okay. I think Jonathan Scope may be one of his horcruxes. Mm, it's a possibility. Mixed emotions. Love seeing stuff like this. Hate that it's on TV. Uh, this tweet was uh, from Eric Hubbs. Um, and it goes as follows. Maybe the greatest catch ever made in the Little League World Series. And it basically, it, it's a center fielder that's running back to the wall and basically goes over Austin Jackson style to catch the ball. Yeah, look, I I love the enthusiasm. I love celebrating Little League Baseball, but I feel like what television and all that attention does to it takes away everything that Little League Baseball is. Okay. We prefer to watch games such as softball where you're basically diving in the infield and then failing to make a catch. Yes. Okay. Um, I want to know about this. Susan Slusser tweets at Susan Slusser, there will be a meeting of Boog Powell's tomorrow at Camden Yards. That's pretty darn great. Yes, 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 fine. Boog Powell on Boog Powell action. What could be hotter? But my question is, what about Blog Powell? Mm. I made a pretty vicious typo the other day, and yeah. Twitter let me have it. Yeah. But I don't know why there isn't a Blog Powell blog out there. Yeah. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Um, so if it's two Boog Powell's, that means it's a double meat sandwich, right? Ugh. Okay. Chucked this up for a loss. Rock Abaco tweets at Mass and Rock. Hashtag Orioles first ESPN Sunday night baseball appearance since September 13th, 2015 versus Kansas City. Oh, Orioles on ESPN. Yeah, I don't want to watch that even a little bit. Yeah. It seems like they always crap the bed on national television. Yep. Yeah. All right, Jake. Um, speaking about crapping the bed, <laughs> uh, there was a lot of crapping the bed this week, in my opinion. Well, no, no. I disagree, Scott. Ooh. I disagree, and I have empirical proof to back that up. Scott Magnus, put on the shades. I'm about to throw some sunshine on your weary Orioles fandom. I'm going to need some more scotch. Scotty, the week of Orioles baseball was, to put it politely, uninspiring. Understatement. I mean, let's let's just call a spade a spade. The the West Coast trip was not good enough. It was just not good enough for a team that's trying to stay relevant. However, there were some amazing moments sprinkled in here and there, and one such moment was Friday. Once the Orioles got close in a game that they were behind in, there was a reason to watch, not simply to, to turn off the game in a huff, not that <clears throat> I've been known to do that from time to time. And Orioles fans who stuck around were rewarded with some Orioles magic of the highest order. The ninth inning of Friday's game is the reason that fans should still tune in. Regardless of how far the Orioles fall out of the wildcard race, it's the reason they should continue to tune in after the window closes and our patience and our passion are truly tested. Scott, I've been, I've been thinking to myself, how do I root for a bad team? How do I root for a team that I know isn't going to compete in the next year? You know, we're not there yet, but when that, when that faces us, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to keep watching until we see moments like this, because if I could just bottle how the ninth inning of Friday night made me feel, I could go on living forever. The ninth inning of Friday's game was amazing, and I just want to talk about it a little bit. It is simply put the reason we love baseball. I mean, let's look back. It all started off with the Orioles down by two runs. Anthony Santander, the oft-hurt Rule 5 guy who's never hit above double-A baseball, led off for the Orioles, and all I could think is, was he really the best available bat? Where? Where, oh, where is Seth Smith in this situation? But he worked the count in a six-pitch at bat, and deposited a bloop single into right field. Now, I think that that's pretty good, considering the circumstances. Caleb Joseph was the next batter, and he struck out, and that was perhaps not unexpected. But still, the Orioles needed two runs, and that tying run was again coming to the plate. Ahaha, here we go. Buck Showalter's smarter than me, because whereas I would have pinch hit already with Seth Smith, Smith came in to replace Craig Gentry. Smith coaxed a walk in a seven-pitch at bat, 
and it chased out the Angels reliever. And of course, everything got better, according to Dan Clark, because Ryan Flaherty came in as a pinch runner, which makes perfect sense. He's more fleet of foot than Smith, and representing the tying run, gave a real chance to tie the game with a double. In the next at-bat, Tim Beckham showed up. Now, he singled to right field because, you know, of course. Now, I was surprised that he did not end the game simply right then and there by hitting a ball that landed in the seats, also healing a leper child. But hey, I'll take it. The bases were now loaded for Manny Machado, and this is a good thing. All Manny had done at this point was hit two home runs. Now, again, the Orioles are still in the bonus here. Bases loaded, one out. You don't want to hit a double play, obviously, but still a productive out for an Oriole scores a run and brings scope to the plate, which again is not a bad thing. But Manny Machado would not go that route. No, instead he would hit the second pitch that he saw, releasing a liberal amount of Orioles magic into the atmosphere, hitting a grand slam to walk off a fantastic night. The Orioles ended up winning 9-7, a game they had no business winning. And there it was. The Orioles were winners. And if Anybody else could could have been. It was Manny Machado, the Masson interview, and, oh yes, my friends, there was pie. There was pie of the shaving cream variety. The Cap 10 delivered it, and then after the game, after all that had ended, I actually had the patience to sit and watch some of the postgame show because I was pretty sure that Rick Dempsey was going to wet himself out of pure excitement. Everything that I was feeling... Rick Dempsey was feeling that much more magnified. He was physically incapable of being more excited. And uh, I gotta be honest for you, I gotta be honest with you, that did it for me. And I feel like moving forward, you know, it's easy to be negative. It's easy to be negative now for the remainder of the season. I feel like cynicism and snark are going to be the marks of Orioles fans basically until the next round of Buckle Up Bird seasons arrive. But... I think that this moment made it a lot easier for me to deal with what happened next, right? Because the rest of the the series was a disappointment. And though it was a disappointment, I had this bonus Orioles love in the tank and was able to survive. Now, Scott, I'm going to out you because you've had this experience. I've watched it happen to you. In fact, you've written about it on uh, birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, you know, back when we used to blog about listening to the ball game on the radio at night, listening to Jonathan Scope hit a walk-off home run and just being over the moon and yet unable to be loud because your wife was asleep next to you. All of us have these moments. So Birdland, I want to hear it from you. What are the moments that sustain you? What is the best game that you've witnessed that didn't mean anything? I'm not asking about the Cal statue night. I'm not asking about the ALDS 2014. I'm asking about those moments that happened that you were like, all right, no matter what happens tomorrow, it's going to be okay. Is it the scope home run to end that game in San Francisco or the Kim home run over the uh, Diamondbacks or the Blue Jays that kept the season going? What was the moment that sustained your fandom? What feeds your fandom? Go ahead and tweet us with the hashtag game on, as in, you know, that thing that makes you leave the game on. And let us know, what is your Rick Dempsey uh, savings account? What do you go back to to draw on when things are ugly? So, Jake, early in the episode, we had a, a throwback to last week's episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was nice. I'm going to throw it all the way back to episode three of Bird's Eye View. Did we have an episode three? We had an episode three. And it was immediately following the Wilson Betamete walk-off game um, where he we basically were going against Bartolo Colon. Uh, the Athletics were playing. Yeah, a lot of has-beens here. And uh, Wilson Betamete had a walk-off, uh, we're going to call it home run, even though it certainly looked like a double to me, but I don't think the umpires really cared is the best way to describe it. They had reservations. They had reservations, and they were ready to go. But I remember walking out of that game, and it was in April, and I remember this specifically because um, we had club-level seats that day. Ooh. Um, because someone's dad had bought club-level seats because— It happens now again. You know, he, he has money to spend, basically. And we're walking out of club-level, and you could sense that excitement, that magic, and that possibility of what if it's different this time around? What if— 
uh, this team is going to do something magical that they haven't done in a really long time back in 2012. Everybody was just rip-roaring, ready to root for Wilson Bedemeet. They were ready to valet park. and Oh, that's Dom and Young, my bad. Uh, Wilson Bedemeet is, again, one of those magical Orioles of, uh, of yesteryear. And I, I come back and I look at this team this year, and I look at those magical moments like we saw on Friday night, and I'm left with, meh? Yeah, there's magical moments, but in the whole, there's a lot more disappointment. And, well, Jake, you have brought... Um, some brightness and some positivity to this podcast. It's my sunny disposition this week, Scott. But Jake, I am here to eclipse that sunny disposition oh. and bring some negativity back to Bird's Eye View. Hang on. If you're going to do that, I'm going to put on special glasses. All right, Jake. So last week I talked about the, the Orioles, and I said, "Is that what we do here?" Yeah. And I said, "The Orioles just need to be somewhat competitive and go on a streak eventually, and uh, you know we'll play some meaningful September games." And that's all I'm asking for. Uh, and then this week happened, uh, and I'm left kind of biting my tongue because I, I look at the standings, I look at how the Orioles are playing, and I just don't see the possibility of um, meaningful games once again having, happening in September. It's very similar to one of the year where in August uh, they got swept by the Diamondbacks on back-to-back-to-back walk-offs. And you could just say, yeah, they're in it, but they're not really in it is the best way to describe it. Um, and and I, I think it's really interesting because uh, we talk about walk-offs and how significant they are and how great a feeling is. I watched a lot of those videos um, I of the walk off and it is a great thing to watch um the fans get all excited speaking of which there's a really weird situation where when walk-offs happen people don't give each other high fives they kind of like reach their hands up in the air and grab the other person's hands and then shake it like they're doing a tunnel thing it's a really weird thing I, i've done it to you multiple times and i don't understand maybe they're just too overcome with emotion to give high fives the list of weird things you've done to me in the throes of oriel's passion would take several podcasts worth of therapy to go through i think i kissed you the one time with your sore teeth that's true yeah wisdom teeth they're oh lord Any, anywho um here's the thing i i, I want to um read this one one quote for you um and, and it's from an article from earlier this season it's it's been quite a few nights for the orioles winning back-to-back games and in extra innings after tying each in the bottom of the ninth with a two-run homer the script couldn't have been written in any more dramatic way for the birds i also couldn't have been more satisfied to see one of um my closers crash and burn the way he did and i'm certainly not one to make a big deal out of two emotional victories but the orioles have potential to gain something from them that something is momentum. The old cliche that you're as good as your next day starting pitcher is a bit tired of my eyes. This team doesn't have much by way of starting pitching, but they can still find ways to win ball games. It's mostly going to be by the home run and mostly going to come from a strong bullpen performance. But it just happens as it has in years past. That was from Andrew Stetka, friend of the program, and that was on June 8th, 2017. And let's be honest, since then the Orioles have been... Pretty much a disaster, let's be honest. So I'm not blaming Andrew for this, even though I am kind of blaming Andrew for this. But momentum does come back to it really is up to what is the team going to do the next day. There is no such thing as momentum. So as nice as those walk-off games are, the product on the field day in and day out is what drives people to go to the baseball games and get really emotionally invested in their team. And there hasn't been anything from these weeks besides the Grand Slams for Manny Machado that say all right, I'm willing to come back and watch it because I know if Manny doesn't do it, then Jones will do it. And if Jones doesn't do it, then Trumbo will do it. If Davis, if Trumbo doesn't do it, Davis will do it. Um, no, probably not. It's, I mean, it's possible. I mean, it's not likely, but it's possible. Um, and, and it comes back to that the whole thing of Orioles magic, which is when this team is really good, um, there's a new hero every single night, basically. Every night is a different star. Yes, every night is a different star. But certainly this year, there doesn't feel like there's that 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 star that's willing to step up to the plate and and make something happen. It comes back to you get to a certain point in the lineup and you say, "All right, if we don't score this inning, we're probably not going to score for the next two innings, and then we're going to have another chance." 
we've talked about before the script has been written many times for these games and it's so frustrating to watch and as much as it's great to watch walk-offs and stuff like that they're a bit a fleeing moment basically in the long struggle which is an orioles season and i think that's what i'm getting into trouble with again is i i I see glimmers of hope but then i see uh tears rolling down my face as i'm like you were so close and yet you just weren't good enough and that's the whole thing you look back at the past four series and they won the first game you're like all right that means they've got a great chance to go two out of three for this series if they can do that and they can win a series or two here they're gonna be right back where they need to be as we talked about going on a winning streak would be great but just winning series out would have been enough for this team to basically say okay we're still in it but the orioles haven't won a series since the beginning of august and that was actually i take that back you know i I guess so i mean beginning of this was the royals they won the they swept the royals then they split against the tigers they lost against the angels split the angels uh the athletics uh lost against the mariners and then lost against the angels so the last time you had any success was when we swept the Royals. Um, and that's, again, there hasn't been another series win throughout the rest of the month. You came into this month after that Royal series saying, all right, you're going to have to play 600 ball to potentially get that wild card spot. And they haven't le- lived up to that. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what we've been saying for a while now is the Orioles aren't dead. The Orioles aren't dead. The Orioles aren't dead, but they're also not doing anything to help their situation. And if you look at the wild card race as of today, April, uh, April August 21st, the Orioles are four games out of the wild card. If you look at another series that they lose and the leader wins, at that point, you're going to be pretty much out of it, right? The The Orioles are running out of chances, and they were playing the Angels, the team that now sits in that second wild card spot. That was the time to make hay, and they failed to do so. I, I keep I keep coming back to this. They have been for quite some time in a position where they either need to, you know, they, they either need to succeed or just forget it. You know, it's put up or shut up time and it's very quiet. But we're getting to the point where they're getting further and further out and you can't reasonably expect that they're going to be able to get there. Because even if they get close at this point, then the question becomes, you know, what, what hope do you have based on what you've seen that they can actually be competitive into September or, you know, ha 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 or, or October. The thing is that while I refuse to be negative about the team, as you've pointed out, there isn't a whole lot to be positive about. Right. And that's my big thing is there's very little to be positive about. I love that I'm seeing, you know, production from Machado. I love that I'm seeing production from Beckham, but I also look at it and I say, all right, what's next? There are no prospects that are going to come up. Uh, there are no pitching prospects that are going to come up and wow us. There really is no position prospect besides Cisco that is going to come up and wow us immediately. I mean, people can point to Austin Hayes or Ryan Mountcastle, but neither one of those is going to be that dynamic player. Um, kind of coming back to, I remember back in the Dark Ages, when a player like Matt Weeders would come up mm-hmm. and you would say, oh, well, at least I get to see kind of what the future looks like. There is no future. And I think that's what kills me about it is, it feels almost like if we get into September and they're, again, four or five games out, I feel like it, it could almost be a wasted month. And I've seen plenty of wasted months um, during Dark Ages baseball. And what happens is Orioles games are in the background as white noise. But what happens is I notice when the games start and I notice when the games end. But past that, I really don't know what is going on on a day in and day out basis. Well, to be fair... Whereas I find this team uninspiring right now, I don't think they're the kind of Orioles team that has like a 4-21 and 21 September in them, mm-hmm. right? So it's not going to be that bad because we have seen that. Um, the other thing I, w- I will say to, to play devil's advocate, I agree that the farm system is not top-notch right now. I, I, and I hear you, that there isn't a lot that you look at and get excited about. But also, there are surprises, I was very, very down on Trey Mancini when he was in the minors, despite the fact that he kept winning the, what is it, the Brooks Robinson Award. Yeah. I thought he was the valedictorian in summer school, and he would be exposed when he got up here, and he's proved me very, very wrong. I didn't think Jonathan Scope was going to be anything special until I'd seen him for more than a season. So I think that there are assets in every major league club's minor league system that surprise you. Now, the problem with the Orioles is that they've had far too few and far too few between to sustain them. And I hear that. I hear every bit of that. But to say that there's nothing in there, I think is really more 
a result of us feeling bad about the team now rather than realizing that it's just baseball. And sometimes those pleasant surprises happen in the wake of not so good surprises that we're used to. Yeah, I, I I just think you'd look at it and say, what is going to be that di- next dynamic piece? And we've looked at it in the past with like Gossman would come up or Bundy is starting, and I just don't see that dynamic piece. It, it's almost like we're in a filler mode for the time being until free agency hits, and uh, it's going to be a question of what are the Orioles going to do to regroup to go into one last season? Well, you're looking for that next dynamic player. Are you watching the Little League World Series? Um, I, I, I am here. Here's You're looking at the next greatest Oriole. Here's where I, I, how I kind of see it as I feel like right now the Orioles are in like waiting for Godot basically. <laughs> and we're just sitting there waiting for something to happen and nothing gosh darn happens to the whole thing. Um, this is what happens when the Baltimoreans leave us <laughs> to handle the literary references. When Bird's Eye View walks down the Waiting for Godot territory, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, look, the the point I, I think, if I'm if I'm following you correctly, is that uh, if there's a prospect in our organization named Godot, by the way, <laughs> I will be mightily impressed. Uh, Quadzilla, get on that, okay? <laughs> right. Even if there's not, you need a nickname one. Uh, whoever is in the business of, of nickname audits these days. So you're you're bummed because you feel like what you're seeing does not lead you to believe that the Orioles are going to pull a rabbit out of their hat in 2017. Correct. I feel like this is um, – I'm going to get very nihilistic actually as well if we're oh, going to go down Baltimore on territory. I feel like um, the rest of the season has no purpose whatsoever, and it seems like a meaningless um, – uh, portion of basically going about and, and and doing anything with the rest of the season. Okay, I kind of feel you there. Yeah. Um, because we've seen bad teams. Yes. Right? And the end of the season on bad teams, the whole purpose of the rest of the season is seeing what you got for next year. Uh-huh. Right? So you bring the kids up and you see what they can do. Right? Or you move a position to a new player. Or sure. a, a, a player to a new position. And, or you, and, and during the Dark Ages, it was also a time of, you know, moving around people and saying, okay, well, let's see what you can do here. Right. And it was kind of shuffling the decks, uh, chairs on the Titanic to a certain regard. But but it, but it was more aimed at, let's see if we've got something here. Right, exactly. Right, for next year. With, with this Orioles team, they're going to make another go at it in 2018. Sure. So there was none of that. Right. Right. And the fact that they're desperately trying to make it into the wild card race means that I don't think you're going to see anything in the way of, let's see what we got in the mix for 2018. Right. I think they're going to go right down to the end of September, hoping that they're still in it. Sure. They're going to hope that they're going to go on a hot streak is the best way to describe it. And it's going to be 500 baseball, basically. And it's going to be, I think what we're striving for now is, we're striving for 500. But but again, we, it's not that. And we've right. experienced that. We've experienced that. And, we've, we've wanted that in the past. But. And we've also experienced good baseball. Sure. Right? Where you have to have your best players in the best position because you are fighting for a wild card spot or, or a division or whatever. And we've seen them, you know, in 2014, coast into the playoffs. Sure. We, we've seen the good. We've seen the bad. And this is meh. Right? I, I feel like I'm... And the waste comes with the meh. I feel like I'm circa 2013... Jake English, basically. That's that's rough, buddy. That is coming off, you know, the first winning season by the Baltimore Orioles, a playoff aspect, and then we barely get back to 500 again for the 2013 season. And you're just like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of this if we're not going to go and be a playoff team? And what if last year was the only chance we were going to do? And I kind of feel that similar vibe right now of like, what if – this was it like and, I, and that has been the theme coming into the season it was the theme around the trade deadline but i'm left with what is going to what am i going to leave from the 2017 season that is going to make me feel better about the 2018 season and i don't think there's anything that i can garner from the rest of september um that i haven't already seen play out this season when an eclipse transits the sun eventually you start to see the sun on the other side so Forgive me, but I'm going to be rosy for just a minute. Okay. Let me put on those orange colored glasses. All right. What's the point, you ask? Yes. What if this is all we get? Okay. Which is a good question. Yes. If the last five years is as good as it gets before we have to tear it down and rebuild, that's a pretty fun five years, yes? Mm -hmm. We had 2012, which was ridiculous. Yep. 
We had 2013, which until they lost that series in Tampa in yep. September, I would say was a competitive series uh, season. You had 2014, which was phenomenal <clears throat> until Kansas City. 2015, 2016, you had competitive clubs where you were pretty sure they were going to make a run for the playoffs. That was a lot of fun. Sure. And so what do we remember? We don't have a World Series to remember. We don't have a championship. We don't have a parade. We have the cool moments. And until they get serious about rebuilding, I think we have to make do with the fun moments, appreciating the talent that's here, appreciating the fact that the team sometimes is just good enough to be crazy and win a game. I, it doesn't mean much, and it's it's really poor, you know, Make up for the fact that the team isn't isn't playoff bound, but it is better than nothing. I agree with you about this because again, you get into a situation where uh, you start to go through the highlights of Orioles past, basically. Uh, and, and normally, when the Orioles are showing highlights of uh, teams past, they get to around ninety eight, and they show the Orioles going to the going to Cuba, right. and then shockingly, about. 13 years worth of history just disappears, and then we immediately get flashed to 2012 and 2014. It's just like, I just like lost a decade there. What happened? And I did lose a decade of Orioles. Right. It's, it's the aspect of we lost a decade. But I agree with you that there needs to be those small victories and those kind of combination of um, a jigsaw puzzle, as it were, to create it. I just want enough of them where I can feel like it was a special time. I don't want one every month i want one every week basically and i don't feel like i don't feel like i'm meeting my quota at this point yeah i and i i I, i'm all over that i i feel you there because um the orioles are certainly uh fading they are fading in 2017 and uh you know they've made it pretty clear that they're going to give it one last shot in 2018 boy howdy they better do something pretty significant in the off season to give themselves a shot in the arm to make it because it'll be tough to repeat 2017 and 2018. It'll be tough to feel like it's not just a listless ship. Man, I tell you what, if it gets in the same situation where it's late August and you're going into the off season and you're losing everybody, um, this show is going to get rough. Well, it's it's also going to be tough for the Orioles to sustain during some some down years. Sure. Right? Because the, the fan base is already fickle. What have you done for me lately? Absolutely. I mean, that's why Tim Beckham is the uh, player t-shirt winner for uh, Labor Day game. That is so crazy. <laughs> Over Adam Jones and Manny Machado. Yeah, but what have they ever done? Right, exactly. Unbelievable. Oh, but anywho, it, I understand where you're coming from. It's just incredibly frustrating. And I think I'm going through... Uh, the stages of grief at this point as a fan is the best way to put it. And I know in a few weeks I will be okay. I, I really feel like you and I have shifted positions. We definitely have. But I just feel like I'm going through a stage of grief because I'm like, it could happen. And now Tony Danza basically died of cancer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, it could happen. I feel like I've made peace with the fact that, and again, there are only four games out of the wild card. Crazy, crazy crap could happen. Don't Don't get me wrong. Sure. I'm not giving up on the season. Right. But I'm also Dan look, Clark would win a Nobel Prize. <laughs> I'm also looking at it <laughs> realistically and thinking, you know, if this is all we got, maybe that's okay. Uh, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how long. You know what? Your I wife normally feel. says that too. <laughs> you know what? This is all I got, but it's okay. <laughs> I, I am. It's sad when the Orioles become as disappointing as me. Yes. Well, I mean, you are pretty much the Orioles. It's you know. Quick booms and then uh, long amounts of sadness. I, I have my moments, but they're fleeting. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, speaking of fleeting moments, Jake, you had another fleeting moment this week in Fantasy Boss. Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh, baby. You sure do swing. All right, so the category last week was extra base hits. 
And Jake, you dominated this week. You went with Manny Machado, who had five extra base hits, including four home runs. He was all right, I guess. Uh, and Adam Jones had one extra base hit. Um, yeah, so Manny Machado, AL Player of the Week. Jake English called that one. I believe also, yeah, it's just really good. I mean, so you take the lead, 4-3-2. Um, so Jake, category this week. Mm, I'm feeling uh, a little whippy. Uh, is is that because things are dark in Scotland? Absolutely. So, Jake, I'm asking you this. Uh, the Orioles starters, once again, have turned into a train wreck, as it were. So, Jake, uh, which Orioles starter do you think is going to have the best whip for the next week? And if you go with Wade Miley, I may it launch you into the sun. <laughs> I'm half tempted to go. I'm half tempted to go with Chris Tillman just out of spite. Um, you realize he won't pitch. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it'll it'll be a low number. Um, whip. Um, I'm gonna go with Kevin Gosman. Okay, because he just had an off game, which leads me to believe that he's due to have a strong start. I like that. I, I like that a lot. I I don't know that I believe it, but I'm choosing to say it, and I am choosing to believe it. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go with um another individual. But I'd like to have a substitute just in case this individual does not pitch this week. Okay. <laughs> so I'd like to go with Dylan Bundy, who I believe is going to get who is going to okay. pitch this week. Um, but on the caveat that he doesn't pitch, I would like to select a substitute alternate, and I'd like to choose um, the individual that has been coming in to substitute for starting pitching. I would like to pick Miguel Castro oh, as my whip substitute if Dylan Bundy does not pitch. Oh, the thing is that he'll wipe the deck with any of our starters uh, all right it's highly it's highly irregular it's, but i'll allow it's it. highly irregular and there's more than likely a chance that dylan bundy will pitch but under the caveat that he is shut down for the rest of the season because the Orioles have nothing to play for i would like miguel castro as my substitute all right we'll uh we'll we'll allow it to happen now do i get a substitute in case kevin gosman trips on a bag of balls absolutely not you just automatically disqualify yourself. <laughs> that's what I like to hear. That's, that's not how this game is played. <laughs> Fine. I'm going to hear Gwen Stefani next week anyway. All right. Well, we'll see about that. But right now, it's time to find out who was good, who was bad, and who was ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started this week with my good. And, uh, Scotty, you just talked about him. My good this week is Miguel Castro. Miguel Castro had uh, three appearances, 6.2 innings pitched over those three games, and he was uh, magnificent. I mean, he did really well. Now, his FIP does not tell that story. His FIP was 4.19, but uh, those runs didn't score. His ERA is, of course, lower at 1.35. I want to talk about Miguel Castro for just a minute because I'm starting to have a change of heart. All right. My heart is growing three sizes this day. I thought that Miguel Castro was Michael Givens 2.0. I thought, yes, let's groom this guy to take a late inning relief role because he's got the stuff. When he, when he can rear back, he's lights out. And uh, some other people have have thrown out there, well, maybe Miguel Castro needs to be a candidate for a starter. You know, maybe he needs to be stretched out. Maybe he needs to be a guy that we look at as as a candidate for a a fifth starter next year. And I thought, no, he's really good at what he does. Let's not mess with that. Again, nobody knew who this Miguel Castro guy was. He was some nobody in our system, and he could be somebody. He could be the next Michael Givens. He could be the next Brad Brock. Let's just, let's not mess with that. But Scotty, I ask you, is stretching Miguel Castro out over the offseason a good idea to see if we have a fifth starter in Castro? No. All right. So you think there is zero chance that he can be an effective starter in the league? Oh, he could be potentially an effective starter as a fifth starter. But, Jake, I come back to if I'm going to go into 2018, I want it to be with starters that are proven and not just, eh, we'll see what happens in the last season uh, of potentially good Orioles baseball in a long time. All right, that is a compelling argument. I will uh, 
allowed. Who's your good for this week? Uh, it's got to be Manny Machado, player of the week. He seems all right. Uh, three home runs in one game. Um, yeah, my, Manny Machado um, is good, um, as good as can be. So Manny Machado, good. All right, my bad goes to Jeremy Hellickson. And there's a very simple reason for this. If you get outpitched in any way by Ubaldo Jimenez, it's a bad look for you. And Hellickson, who had a strong, um, a strong early period as a, as an Orioles starter, you know, nice debut, has really fallen off the table. In this last week, he had a single start of four point two innings pitched, and uh, boy howdy, that ended up awful. Um, so Jeremy Hellickson, he gets uh, he gets my bad for this week. He needs to step it up again. No surprises, but he needs to step it up. Jake, my my bat's going to go to the entire Orioles bullpen, who, well, they blew it this week. Um, they had a 5.19 ERA, 6.91 XFIP, and just there were several games that the Orioles tried to keep them in but just couldn't keep them in. Um, not to mention one of the biggest stats that I like to look at from, um, a, from a team standpoint is win probability added, and the Orioles... Uh, had a negative 1.41 win probability added this week. So they had loss probability added? They did. Mm. So we don't like that. Yeah. Speaking of things we don't like, I want to talk about my ugly for this week, and it hurts me. My ugly goes to Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini was your bad last week. Yep. And uh, this week was no better. Uh, You know, of course, one of my favorite stats is the weighted runs created plus. It's Averaged at a, at a hundred, you know, the average player gets a hundred. Trey Mancini had a weighted runs created plus of seven this week, a one ninety one woba, where you know three twenty is good. Again, just not getting it done at the plate. Trey Mancini, who turned me from a doubter to a believer, is struggling at the worst time for the Orioles. I think that this kid has uh, a real future in this league and is not living up to that now expectation that he has delivered upon. He's forced me to have that expectation and he's falling below it. So my, my ugly this week, Trey Mancini, my ugly for the week is going to go to Chris Davis overall on the entire week. Um, he actually posted some decent numbers at a one ninety seven wager and created plus, but Wednesday, the last yeah. at bat was abysmal. Um, there's no excuse for the performance that that plate appearance was. Mm-hmm. Um, any positive note that Chris Davis could have brought for the rest of this week was instantly nullified through that one plate appearance. Um, it, it's hard for me to justify that. So I will justify it in, in this fashion. I'm going to let three balls pass by me right now with complete silence. And um, we'll, we'll just go from there. There you go. That's the only way we can justify it for Chris Davis right now. Uh, Chris Davis uh, had pretty much the ugliest at bat that you will ever see a major league baseball player have with the bases loaded in the ninth inning. All right. I just, I just have to peel the curtain back here a little bit. I didn't see the end of that game. Yes. And Scotty was over at my house and I, I asked him what happened at the end of the game. And Scott Magnus's face lit up with glee. And I knew in an instant in the expression that he was not lighting up with glee because the Orioles had won, but rather that he couldn't wait to tell me in which heartbreaking fashion the Orioles had lost that game. It was like a kid in a candy shop. You can tell I'm an Orioles fan with, with a whole like arsenal of weapons of, of harm at his disposal. Like, Oh, Oh, you had hope about that Orioles game. Let me lay it on you. Come with me. And you'll see a pathetic team on the field. Nice. Yeah, that's good work. All right, now that we have horrified everyone. Nothing like going from Waiting for Godot to Willy Wonka and the Trolley Factory. (laughs) This podcast has gone to strange places. That must be really, really good whiskey. Uh, We've done the good, the bad, the ugly. Scotty, is there any way that you can blow this save worse than we have? I, I can blow this save. So, Jake, I've been looking for things that um, can entertain me for the rest of the Orioles season is the best way to describe it. And I've looked look for some kind of um, bright hope or kind of some future for us. 
So, Jake, I think I finally found it, though. I'm terrified. So, Jake, the Orioles have been advertising on their Twitter feed uh, looking for individuals to come out and audition to sing the Star Spangled Banner for them at Camden Yards. This has you written all over it. So, Jake, I ask you, when can Bird's Eye View get together to put together an audition tape so that we can go and do the Star Spangled Banner for Scott, the Baltimore Orioles? Scotty, I... <sighs> Look, I don't I don't want this to be awkward and you know Do you think they would have any issues with us singing it in a Billy Joel S style? I don't want to hold you back. I, I I think that all I could do would would be hold you back. Jake, I think you would have to be the one that would be uh carrying the tune and I could just, you know, be humming in the background. No, I, I I'll give it a good O at the one at the appropriate time. I, I think nothing could encapsulate what's to come with Orioles baseball more than you. I'll tell you what. Taking on our our national song. You take um, the, our, our, the Star Spangled Banner. I will take God Bless America on the dugout, okay? <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, I didn't hear about this. Uh, they're, they're looking for fans to sing the Star Spangled they Banner. They are just looking for individuals to sing the Star Spangled Banner. And folks, if anyone has heard Jake English sing on this podcast, you know that he would be an exceptional voice. For, so, folks, please encourage Jake English to uh, submit an audition tape. To the Baltimore Orioles, because uh, at least we need something to laugh about, uh, as opposed to the misery which is Orioles baseball. Lately. I disagree. I think I think Scotty, you owe it to all of us to lend your musical stylings to this great nation. Well, I, I think Derek Arnold would strictly uh, disagree with that. And with that, I believe that'll be our show. Oh, we've got <laughs> nothing left. That is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music Play. We'd appreciate a rating and review. It helps establish what's called social proof about this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Google+, and Snapchat, but the best way to get a hold of us Sandra Ficari, Taylor or less on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. Remember this week, hashtag game on. Let me know what's going on. Hashtag sing Jake sing. <laughs> and with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Can I get a, little, a few bars from you? No, I, I will visit a few bars. Mm. You've been known to do that. Occasionally. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.